Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Good evening, listeners. This is Richard Ayer. I'm going to pass the phone to Linda here just in a moment, and then a little later in the show, we'll both be on together. It's lovely to be with you tonight. Uh, You know, we are on the road most of the time. We get the opportunity to travel around and speak to parents and families, and it's a great honor. Grandparents, too. And the reason I say grandparents is that we are today... Down in St. George, Utah, many listeners familiar with beautiful desert St. George. And if you're not, you ought to go sometime because especially this time of the year, it's really beautiful. And we're down here not on a parenting or speaking assignment as we usually are, but to play in the world senior games. I like playing with old people because it makes me feel younger. So here I am participating in the tennis and the track and so on. And um, we're really excited to think while we're here about something that's been on our mind a lot lately, namely the powerfully important place that grandparents can have and should have in the rearing of children. Um Why do I connect that to St. George? Because there are a lot of grandparents here. (laughs) It's a retirement community and uh, one of the few places where we can drive around and feel like we're bringing the average age down a little bit. And uh, so it's pretty interesting. And here's Linda for a couple of observations. Then we're going to talk a little about grandparents and how how if you're a parent, you ought to get your parents, your kids' grandparents, more involved in their upbringing. And uh, some of the ideas we have, and if you're a grandparent, we're going to preach at you a little bit about being as involved as you possibly can in the rearing of your grandchildren. You know, I have to go back just a minute and tease Richard a little bit because here we are at the world, at the Huntsman World Senior Games and almost every year he gets a gold medal or a silver or a bronze one, and we have an absolute case full of medals. I don't know where we're going to put any more, Richard. It is so hard to keep finding places for these, but we have to chuckle a little bit at ourselves because that means you are the best tennis player in the whole world except for the people that didn't come. And uh, there are quite a few of those, too. So it is really fun, though. We've loved, um, we meet friends down here every year, and this place is just full of grandparents. Um, I do have to say that we've had quite an eventful week because, speaking of grandparents, Richard's mother passed away this week. And as sad as that is, and as much as we'll miss her, we really are so joyful that she was finally able to go. She was 91. She had um, no memory of us at all. She was just so foggy and she was mad. Every morning she woke up and she hadn't passed away. And so we are just, we're thrilled for her even though we will miss this dear woman. But as we begin talking about grandparents today, we have to say how influential they are in our children's lives. And we realize even more this week because of our children and 
and the, their sorrow at missing her and being without her, but also all the things that they've learned from her. She's She was a remarkable woman. was indeed a remarkable woman, and at age 91, anxious to leave, she would... My brother, bless his heart, Kevin, my youngest brother, was her caregiver for the final years of her life, and every night when he would put her into her bed, she would say, even though she had little, if any, memory left, dementia, not Alzheimer's, but dementia, and we've learned some interesting distinctions there, but she would say, Kevin, I'll, I'll, I'll die tonight, so I'll say goodbye to you now. But it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and so we're so blessed that finally it did. And even though we miss her deeply, and our children miss her, and our grandchildren miss their great-grandmother, they all called her Grandma Great. Well, most of them did. Some of the kids, the younger ones, who misheard it, we just didn't bother to correct them. They called her Grandma Great. With the P. With the P for many, many years. <laughs> And, you know, it's impossible to be an attentive grandparent when you've lost your memory and lost many of your faculties as she had, bless her heart. But prior to that, going back three or four years, she was a remarkable grandparent who, I mean, why wouldn't she be? After all, she was the founder of Joy Schools and set up the first Joy School and developed the curriculum for Joy School. And she's, we're going to feature her on joyschools.com in the coming weeks because of all the contributions that she made. But we're thinking about grandparenting as we're here in this retirement community. And, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this. I say some things a little too bluntly, and Linda gets after me. But honestly, I have to tell you, and we're not referring to here. I mean, there are, although there are some of the places I'm going to refer to in this area, one of the saddest things to me are retirement communities that allow no children, even on the premise. You, you maybe run into some like that. And I understand the logic. You know, they want peace. They want quiet. They don't want a lot of kids running around and so on. But I'll tell you, when you're in an environment that has no children in it, you are missing something that's almost a spiritual quality. I mean, it is really hard to even describe the energy that comes to an environment, whether it's a home or whether it's a community, when there are children around. And the happiest people our age, which we will not divulge, let us just say that we are in our 60s, and the happiest people we know in their 60s are the ones not the ones on their yacht or on their cruise or playing golf every day, although we have nothing against any of those activities. They're the ones who are really involved in the lives of their grandchildren, don't you think, honey? I do. In fact, we were in Vail, Colorado recently with a group of young parents, eight couples, and uh, the last night we had dinner with them, and two of the couples that were at our table just confided that they were so sad because their parents didn't want anything to do with their They had done their thing. Uh, they would give them tons of presents. They had a lot of money, and they could shower the kids with stuff that they didn't want them to have, the parents didn't want them to have. Um, they had they'd really sat down and asked them not to give them so much at Christmas. So you're, you're saying, Linda, there is such a thing as 
negative impact grandparenting where it might be better off if the grandparents weren't even there. Well, I guess so. I mean, Counterproductive. So often we, when we explain how to teach children to work and earn their own money and so on within the home, the really the comment almost inevitably is, but guess what? I get this system all set up and then the grandparents come along and wreck it because if I say, nope, you have to earn that, they just say, I'll just go ask Grandpa and he'll give it to me. And he does. But their main concern really wasn't so much about the money as it was about their interchange with their children. They said, our parents don't know our children and they don't really have much interest in knowing our children because they just figure they're, it's a different life. Sadly, that's the case um, more often than we'd like to believe. But, you know, I want to back up just a second, Linda, and, and start almost philosophically. Um, you know, how do we save this world we live in? How do we, We're in a world filled with all sorts of trauma and difficulty and tragedy and really a lot of consternation about our economy, about the safety of some of our cities, about our declining education levels, about the future in general. And, and it's very common for other grandparents who we're with to say something like this. You know, I, I am, I've lived a great life, and I've been on the earth at a wonderful time. And, you know, my children, maybe they're in their 30s or their 40s, and they'll say, my children are fine. They, they've established themselves. They seem to be doing well. I'm not particularly worried about them, but my grandchildren, oh, my, the world they have to grow up in. And, oh, I'm so worried about whether they'll have a life as good as my life or as good as my children's lives. Well, our instinct is to say, you know, we, we share a lot of those worries. And how do we impact them? In other words, how, how do we save this world of ours from some of the courses that it's on? And would it be too bold, Linda, to say that maybe, maybe a big part of the answer lies in grandparents, maybe a big part of the solution, maybe in some ways the only sector of our society that can really impact some of these negative trends is the grandparents. Now, you may say, oh, wait, 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 the parents are the ones that have the responsibility and the stewardship for the children, not the grandparents. And I would agree with that, That's but, yeah. but I would say that we live in a world where so often both parents are involved in a career, or there's a single parent raising children, or there's a situation where, for whatever reason, the parents are, don't have the time or the energy or even sometimes the insight and the knowledge to provide everything that their children need. Who should be the fallback? Well, of course... It should be grandparents. And honestly, the best, again, I hate to always say something like this, but we part of the reason we do this show is that we learn a lot from other cultures as we travel around. And honestly, the best combination for the well-being of children that we ever see, whether we're in Latin America, whether we're in Europe, whether we're in Asia, it doesn't matter. And it happens differently in many countries because of cultural differences, but the commonality, the best situation for a child to grow up in is where they have proactive parents and proactive grandparents who communicate with each other and talk about the needs of the child 
and work together to meet those needs. That's that's the ideal. Well, let me just say something about that. I mean, as far as the spectrum, we had the most interesting year this year with grandparents because we went to Pakistan only for one day, and we were glad only for one day because it was kind of scary. But we spoke to the parents there, and then we had a chance to go to a home where it was so interesting. They lived with uh, their the the man of the house. I mean, the man and the family uh, had gone with his family to live with his mother and father, and the mother ran the home. The grandma. The grandmother, and she said what went and what happened, and and we went over there, and that grandmother had that little grandson under her arm, and and was saying how wonderful he was, and so on, and it was it was delightful to see. But I think yeah, the parents were the parents were happy that it was going on, and it was, it was almost like we're here to help too. But Grandma is really in charge now. I'm not sure many of us would want to go that far. I think in most Western cultures, especially the U.S., we we when we say family, we often just mean the nuclear family, just the parents and the kids. And we've said on this show many times before that that means something very very different in a lot of the world where, where the grandparents, well, three generations live in the home. And that's a kind of much easier setting yeah. to all team up and help the, the kids. And that happens more often than we realize, especially in the Muslim world. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back from this break. We'll take a brief break, and then, uh, you know, if you've got some grandparents or your parents, give them a call and have them listen to the last half of this show. We'll be right back. have to say that I need to continue the story that we began the first half about Sorry, I interrupted you there. You were on. You were into the home in Pakistan. Um, well, I have to talk about a family in Indonesia. Um, when we were there, it was so interesting. These were fabulous families. Just people just like from your neighborhood. They were Muslims. They were so embarrassed. And um, they were so embarrassed because they couldn't service alcohol because of their religion, and they were so delighted when they realized we also didn't drink alcohol. But anyway, they so many of them live in these big family compounds, and one particular family actually wanted us to come back for their family reunion, and they said, the only thing is we're remodeling our big family house this year, so everybody is going to just live in their own house for um, a year while we do this house. And uh, as we communicated with them during the year, it was so interesting because they um, they said, well, you know, we we are excited to be back together. And then as they got farther into it, they said, you know, we really like living in our own house. We may just keep this permanent. And we just thought, oh, my gosh, it is so fun to be with your family, but to live with them. The extended family, there were five children, and all of their children and the grandparents ran the household. And they just needed some autonomy. They just really loved having their own house. So there are there is a huge spectrum of grandparenting. So, so I want you to think about that for a minute, listeners, um, because many places we go in the world are like Linda describes. There's three generations living in a home, certainly that way in much of Mexico and Latin America, very much that way in most of Asia. 
not so much in Europe. And, and it would be it would be natural to say, well, gee, if that's that's the ideal, if you want to have the parents and the grandparents involved in in teamwork and coordination, each doing what they can do best for those children. What lucky kids! But as Linda points out, it's not without its problems, and there are some autonomy issues that go on. And so rather than say, well, you know, America is the hardest place to create this grandparent-parent teamwork, why don't we say this? America is the perfect place because we can have our autonomy. We can live in our separate homes. Maybe we even live in separate cities or separate states, but we're pretty mobile and we have all sorts of electronic devices. Why can't we have the best of both worlds, autonomy for the parents and their children in their home and a certain amount of autonomy for the grandparents who may live elsewhere and have their own lives, busy lives, but a lot of teamwork and coordination between the grandparents and the parents where the parents are saying to the grandparents, you know, here's Tommy's issues and here's what we're worried about with with Sarah and do you have some advice for us? By the way, if you wanna if you wanna make your parents, if you parents wanna make your parents feel good, ask them for advice. They'll probably give it to you anyway, but it's so much better if you ask and listen and see if they have anything good to say. They're your kids and you have to make the final decisions, but by asking for the advice, the grandparents become more involved in thinking about those grandkids. And then it puts you in a situation later where you can call and say, hey, mom or dad, you know, here are some of the issues we're facing with one of our children. Not only what is your advice, but can you do some things to help? Can we work out some situations where you spend a little more time with this child? Grandparents have a social distance with the kids that you don't have. It is amazing the good you can do with your grandchildren, in fact. Uh, this dinner that I mentioned the first half with this couple who were concerned about their parents not being involved with their kids. They said, oh, we just don't know how to do it. And I suggested that they they pick out a problem they have with the child. We all have them. And then have a dinner with their parents to say, I think you could help us with this. Could you take them out to dinner and talk with them about it and so on? And once they really get involved with each other, it's so much easier. But now, that's, that's a whole spectrum of not being involved and being way too involved. But we have had so much fun with our grandchildren. We have mentioned before how important it is to be in touch with them, learn how to Instagram, look at their Facebook page. I mean, even if you don't like it, that's all right. Just And if you only have, you know, five friends for just your five grandchildren or whatever, it really is important to be in touch with what they're thinking, what they're doing, and actually, if you're their friend, they're a little bit more careful about what they put on the social yeah, media. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, but what could be more natural and more wonderful than a grandparent saying to a grandchild, maybe it's a 10-year-old, maybe it's a 12-year-old, hey, uh, I want to be in closer touch with you. How, what's your preferred me- method of uh, communication? Do you like Do you like email? Do you like I bet they'll say no. Do you like uh, do you like to text? Do you like to Twitter? Do you do to tweet? Do you do you like Instagram? Uh, do you like Facebook? And and here's this little kid saying, "Wow, wow, that's a great. grandpa knows what he's talking about here." I 
Well, Grandpa, I really, I kind of like Instagram because I like sending pictures. Well, good. Why don't I just be a follower of you on Instagram and you follow me and it'll be fun and we'll send things back and forth to each other, including some special messages, and it'll be great. And don't expect to get as good at it as your grandkids. We have a we have one granddaughter who every time she posts anything on Instagram, she gets over 500 likes. I mean, I don't know who's out there following her, but she has got... I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I, I You know, people say, oh, that's dangerous. She can't possibly know 500 people. I, You know, I don't think it's really dangerous. It's a little wacky, but I think they're her brothers and sisters are now trying to compete, and so that they all want to get a lot of likes, too, but that keeps us informed. I just turned on my phone while we're talking, and our oldest grandson, Max, has just posted a darling picture of these boys doing the stance from the Karate Kid. Oh, is that what they're doing? Yeah. It looks like it. They're at a yeah. lake, it looks They've like. They've got one foot down, one foot up. They've got their hands up, balancing themselves, and it's a beautiful autumn picture, and now we have something to talk about when we talk when we call Max. He's sixteen. Where were you? What Where were you, Max? Who what was that beautiful friends? place? And why did you only get forty three likes when your when your sister gets five hundred? Yeah, let's <laughs> say that one for sure. <laughs> but it is so fun to be in touch with him. Our none of our grandchildren except one family live close enough so that we can see each other every week. Some of you have your kids all on the cul de sac and it's so great. There's some great things about that, some not-so-great things about that. Uh, we are so lucky because we travel often, and we get to see our children and grandchildren. But still, I don't feel like I have a perfect relationship with every grandchild. I, you have to just keep being vigilant about knowing what's going on in their lives in addition to your own busy lives. But it's worth it. It's so great for them to know that you care about them and that you're interested in their lives. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I mean, just to show you how real time this this hours uh, on the road is. Just as we're talking, I'm realizing, Linda, it's Monday night. It's the first Monday of the month, and we are actually supposed to be having a Google Plus family home evening tonight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Thank goodness for this radio show, so that we remembered it. And we may have to link in by FaceTime because we are not by our computer right now. But that's okay. We'll get to it soon. And the kids can start without us, and then we'll jump in and link in with them in a little while. So um, thank goodness for electronics. It gives us a lot of options to stay in touch. But I want to go back to this teamwork approach between parents and grandparents. If you're the parent you need to ask advice from the grandparents and ask their input and help on particular issues you're facing with your children. If you're the grandparent, you need maybe to take your kids who are parents to dinner and uh, buy them dinner and say to them, hey, we want to be more involved, but we are not going to tread on thin ice. We are not going to jump in where angels fear to tread. We want you to tell us if it would be okay to take your kids this weekend up to Jackson Hole. We'd love to be with them or whatever. We'd like to come and babysit sometime. Will you go out on a special weekend together? We'll stay right in your home, sleep in your bed. Because one thing Linda has always said, if you really want to 
get to know the grandkids, you need to find sometimes when you're with the grandkids and the parents aren't there because you get to know them on a whole different level with a whole different paradigm and perspective when mom and dad are not around, whether it's at your house or at the... You, you, the best place to get to know them is if you're in the kids, the grandkids' house and the parents are gone and you're watching, you can ask them, what's your daily routine? What do you do at night? How do you do it? What What happens? And you can leave there feeling like you know that family's system and you know how to fit in and help out. You do have to be so careful not to overstep your bounds, though, because there's two extremes on that, too. And and we decided early on, because Richard cannot stop himself from giving advice, and we've said this before, that we made a pact with the kids that he would be able to give them whatever advice he had in his mind, but he would not be offended if they did not take his advice. On the other hand, he, they, he would not be offended if they did not take his advice. So it really is a nice little pact, and it's gone both ways. You know, um, they have not taken his advice, and they kind of laugh and say, thanks, Dad, but no thanks, we're not doing that. And it's fine. He truly is fine, but at least he's said what he feels. So, you know, just get in there and really make some get some things out on the table so that you know what's going on and so that nobody's offended. Now, let us just project a little for you as we run close to the end of the show today. Um, We love coming on every Monday and talking about what we've been doing for the week. We're going to have kind of a special edition next Monday because it will be, uh, let's see, Linda, will it be the day... It'll be the day after. The day of our funeral. Will it be the day of? Yes. Yes, of that's right. It'll be actually be the day of my mom's funeral, a week from today. And so we're going to do kind of a special edition talking about some spiritual things that really ought to be a part of every family, and it'll spring from the spiritual feast I think we'll have at my beloved mom's funeral. So have a great week, and we will we'll look forward to seeing you. Next week, as we celebrate life, we're going to celebrate a life gone on, gone by, and you're going to celebrate life until we talk to you again. Good luck. Have a great week.